Let's get into the word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's get into this word. I've been uh, teaching here um, for some weeks and I've been uh, teaching this lesson uh, about. Praise God. Um, moving beyond the mechanics of faith. And um, when I started teaching the series, um, I got really excited about it. And, some, and, and let me just explain that. I'm always excited when I get a chance to teach. I don't fight to teach because it's just, it's just not the thing. I actually like listening to other people teach because I, I learned that way. But when I started to teach this lesson and I was laying out the things I wanted to share and what God had been sharing with me, I got really excited about it because I believe that what God wants to do in our life is to really bring us back to where we're supposed to be. And, and let me say it like this, and I'm talking about the church globally. I believe when, when the church started, it was all about grace. And I believe over time, the church went from grace to religion. And we've been in religion for a long, long time. We've been in religion for a long, long time. And religion, what religion does is religion wants to, religion wants to control you. You know, religion wants to put you in a box. Um, God is a box breaker. Amen. <laughs> God wants God. Wants, I'm going to show you this scripture I found in the message translation where God, it says God wants us to live outside the box. And I believe that God is, 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 a, is a box breaker. Um, and, and so what I believe that you are seeing in the body of Christ, if you're paying attention, is a, a, a group of people that God has that are saying to other people, hey, we need to move back to this thing of just believing God, just trusting God. And, um, you know, when I, when, when, anytime I teach a series, you know, I, I love FOC. I get opportunities to go and preach, uh, and, and, I, and I, I, unless it's family or somebody I got a relationship with, I turn them down. I like to teach here. This is where I want to be. When y'all be on the prayer line, y'all be praying, send this to the nation, I be typing, Pastor Sean. <laughs> That's what I type, Pastor Sean. She sent her to the nations. I'll be. I love teaching here at FOC. But the reason I love teaching here at FOC is because I believe that God connects people to this ministry so that he can do explosive things in their life. Yeah. I really believe that. I really believe that when God calls people to, to FOC, it's because he wants to do explosive things in their life. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I have to temper myself because I really want to push some of you. And I don't mean like in a physical sense. I mean, I want to push you to do more faster because I, it's, like, it's like I can see all this potential in you and, I, and sometimes I'm not sure you see it in yourself. And what frustrates me sometimes, and it probably shouldn't, but it does, it frustrates me sometimes because there'll be people who we don't even know who will listen to the broadcast uh, on, 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 and they'll, they'll be listening and they'll be emailing and they'll be Facebooking and all this stuff. And then they'll literally listen to the series and the sermons and ask questions. And then they'll come back and be like, oh, this is what God said to me. This is what I'm doing. And, and I'm like, man, if you can do that and you don't know us, what is, what is going on in the house? And, um, and, and the Lord showed me something, and I'm going to say it to you, and I don't want you to be offended by it, but I want, I want to show it to you, and then you have to judge for yourself whether you're doing this or not. And this kind of goes along with something that Pastor Sean said that, that I had already had planned to say. I didn't know what she was going to say. But if you, can go to, if you can pull up Matthew 13 for me. Matthew 13. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you as you get ready to go to Matthew 13, and we'll start at verse 53. In Matthew 13, 53, but here's, here's what I want to say to you. I am who I am. You get who you get. 
If you want a stoic pastor and someone who's going to be real serious all the time and going to dress up in suits and, and walk in and walk out and don't speak and don't laugh and don't be petty and all that stuff, you got to find another place. <laughs> I, I tried doing that. I'm miserable when I'm that way. I don't like it. I am who I am. I am silly. I am, I am, I am obnoxious sometimes. Uh, but, but when I'm not, when I'm not, People think something's wrong. Because yesterday, Bashan was like, what's the matter? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I just ain't messing with you today. But I am who I am. And what you're going to have to, and I just, I, I believe this, I, I, I gotta, and as your pastor, I got to tell you, you got to learn to distinguish between Pastor Edwin and Strick. If you can't make the switch, it's going to be hard for you. Because you're going to always see me as this plain, laughing, silly, petty kind of guy, which I am. But there are times <laughs> when I'm here, when I'm doing what God has told me to do for you, that the words that are coming out of my mouth, even if they are laughing and joking words, they are, they are, they are words to change your life. Yeah. And, and sometimes you can get so casual with, with a person or individual that you lose out on what God's trying to do for you. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, I ain't changing, so I want you to know how to make the distinction between the difference, because <laughs> I ain't changing. So, <laughs> so Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 says this, and it came to pass that when who? Now, we're talking about Jesus, okay? It says, it came to time that when Jesus had finished teaching all these parables, he taught in verse 1 through 52, it says, he departed. Next verse. It says, and when he was coming to his own country, say his own country, he taught them in their synagogues in so much that they were astonished. And they said, whence has this man this wisdom? In other words, how he's so smart. It says, and, the, and he did all these mighty things. It says, they, they said to themselves, is not, that's okay. He says, is not this the, now notice, notice their conversation. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? Ain't, now, you know how people are. They was like, now, ain't this the dude who mama said she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost? Because you know folk talk about you. They said, is this not him? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? That's what I said that. Ain't, ain't his mother the one who said she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost? It says, and his brethren, and they list all his brethren. Next verse. It says, and his sisters. It says, and they not all with us? I mean, these, ain't they the same folk who came where we came from? It says, which then, or why, or how then, has this man all of these things? How does this man know all of these things? How can he teach us all of these things that make us feel this way and say this and open our eyes? Ain't this the carpenter's son? Ain't this Mary's baby? Ain't this the same folk who lived in section eight like we did? Come on here. Next verse. He says, and they were, watch this, offended in him. People get offended when they feel like you where they from, but you know more than they know. But what people don't realize is the only reason God would send you someone who knows more than you is because he wants you to get what they got and what you got. The Bible says the lesser is always blessed of the greater. Always. So he's trying to connect you because God's trying to give you the same revelation that you had coupled with some new revelation. The Bible said, but they was offended at him. It says, but Jesus, who said this? Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor 
accept or save where? In his own country. And where? In his own house. That is the reason that Pastor Sean can teach something here and people go, good job. She goes to Atlanta and they pay her $3,000 for what you get for free. Because a prophet is not without honor except in their own country or in their own house. And that'd be cool if that was the end of it. But look at the next verse. It says, and he did not what? Many mighty works there. One translation said, and he didn't do many miracles there. Why? Because of their what? One translation says, because of their casualness. Because of their casualness. And I'm saying to you that over the next several weeks, don't get casual. Don't, if, if you've gotten casual, get uncasual. Learn how to make the switch between when we laugh, joke, and play, and when you come here to get word. Amen. Understand the difference in a petty post and one that's designed to change your life. Because I'm going to post both of them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so this morning, I want us to get into, and it's really not, it is a new series, but it's really dovetailing off what we just finished talking about. We were talking about uh, going beyond the mechanics of faith, right? And if you remember, when we talked about going beyond the mechanics of faith, one of the major things we started talking about was getting out of this idea of our own self-effort, right? And so this morning, in the next couple of weeks, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I already told him, so I'm not putting him on blast, I'm going to have Ralph help me teach some of this. Um, and so you're going to get a chance to hear from him, and, and, and I'm telling you, it's going, be, it's going to be really, really good, too. But um, when we start talking about this, we want to talk about embracing grace. Say embracing grace, embracing grace. And, leaving and leaving the law behind. The law behind. We want to embrace grace while we leave the law behind. Because in order for us to go to this next place in our life, I believe that's exactly what has to happen. So we started and we ended our last series by making this statement. This was the thesis of our, of our series. We said the law of Moses locks us into continual self-effort, but grace frees us from the law. Say, grace, grace. frees me Free. from the law. Grace frees us from the law. We had four points that we used in the last series, and those are the same four points that we're going to use this time without all the other stuff. But we're going to use the same four points. We said that the law of Moses locked us into um, this, this idea that somehow we have to work for everything God gives us. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. When, you work, when you work, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. Yeah, when I, when I go to my job and they pay me, I don't be like, oh, thank y'all. No, you better pay me. I work for this. this. This is not a gift. A gift is if I didn't go to work and you kept paying me. Oh, yeah, now, that's a gift. How many of y'all like to not work for two years and still get paid? That's a gift. Uh-huh, but they, ain't gonna, they don't do that, see? Because they want you to work for your paycheck. So we have four principles. Number one, we said re relying on our own efforts always puts us back under the law. OK, so keep that in your mind as we go through these series the next several weeks. Relying on our own efforts always subjects me to the law. So I say, well, what's the bad deal about that? The bad deal is that if you live under the law, you have to be perfect every time, all the time. So if there's 600 laws and you keep 599 of them and you miss one of them, the Bible says you missed them all. So the problem with being under the law is you have to be perfect all the time in every situation. And in case you didn't know, let me help you. You won't be. You just won't be. Number two, 
We said the finished works of Jesus, not our perfection, positions us to receive God's blessings. Well, what is the finished works of Jesus? When Jesus died on the cross, he uttered these words. It is finished. In other words, everything that he came back to do. When Chris was singing a song this morning, she said it. You are redemption's plan. Jesus was redemption's plan. When God wanted to redeem all of us back to him, he sent Jesus to do it. And when Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, you and I, before we ever hit the earth, was already put back in God's good graces. In fact, Pastor Sean taught a message one time, and I know it was bad English, but it was a great message. It was entitled, God ain't mad no more. Not more, more. God ain't mad no more. Why? Because the Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, God poured out all of his wrath on Jesus. Now, 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 I don't care where you've been to school. Almost all of us know what all means. All means that means he don't have any wrath left. So God ain't looking down from heaven with a big red I got you button waiting to push it to send you to hell. That, that is not what he's doing. He took all of that stuff and he poured it out on Jesus. That's why when you read in the Old Testament, you read about the fact that, you know, people would worship a golden calf and the ground would, would open up and 40,000 people would die at a time. I mean, God was wiping them out. <laughs> if you read the Old Testament, man, you do something, man, they, God wiped you out. But the Bible says he had to change your heart. And it was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus came. And now we don't get wiped out. And we're still worshiping other gods. They call jobs. They call boyfriends and girlfriends. They call spouses. They call houses and cars. They call self. We all got these other gods. But God ain't in the business of wiping us out no more. Why? Because he poured all his wrath out on Jesus. Because when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. Number three, our third point says that Jesus, in the giving of his body and his blood, has removed the curse of the law from us, and there is no need to work to receive from God. I don't know if you saw Ralph's Facebook post that he posted the other day. Who saw the Facebook post? All right, so if you didn't, you ought to go see it. Raphael Marlowe on Facebook. You ought to go and read it. It took me four weeks to explain to y'all what he did a great job in in the Facebook post. I was mad at him yesterday, boy. I was like, man, how you going to post that? Now I spent four weeks, and now you just explain it this easy. But it's so good, though, because he talks about the fact how Aiden is his son. And literally, nothing Aiden does can stop that. He can change his name. He can move. Heck, he can change his gender. He can, change, he can try to change. He can bleach his skin. His DNA is sealed forever as Marlowe. The Bible says that you and I were born again. And that we were born and we are covered in the blood of Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you do, heaven sees you, y'all ain't gonna say nothing, as the child of God. So our behavior doesn't dictate who we belong to. Once you are born again, you are in the family forever. It's that Jesus gave his body and his blood to do that. Because prior to that, the Bible says because Adam sinned and we were born after the similitude of Adam that we too were born into sin. So we, we were living, but we were living under the law and the law has a curse with it. But when you accept Jesus, you come from under the law to living in what we call the law of life. 
not the law of death. So we move from this curse of the law to being free, no longer needing to work for it. And so because we don't need to work for it, it's not a paycheck, it's a gift. And I don't know about you, I like my paycheck, but I love gifts. I mean, I'd love to be able to buy me a Panamera Porsche, but anybody in here who want to just buy me one, I'm in receiving mode. Because you can't beat a gift. A gift is wonderful, amen? And then the fourth thing we said was this. We said that when we move away from grace, anytime that we get away from what Jesus has done for us, and we move into this position of trying to do things to get God to do something for us, it always ends up making us look crazy in the end. So where do we get that from? Galatians. That's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, what's wrong with y'all? He said, have y'all lost y'all mind? He says, do you not remember what you were taught about grace? And now y'all want to sit around and, and, and talk about which things you have to do in order to get God to do something great for you? He said, God did something great for you when you didn't know it. I mean, think, I was thinking about this the other day. God is just so good like this. He starts off by giving us the best gifts ever. And then everything else is lesser in comparison. You know, sometimes you, got, you make folks work up to stuff. It's like, well, show me you can clean your room. Then I get you this. If I get you this, show me you can take care of the toy. It costs $2. Before I get you the toy, it costs $40. And then show me you can maintain that for a while before I get you this. You know, show me you'll clean my car before I buy you your own car, teenager. How diligent you're going to be. But God did just the opposite. He was like, nah, Jesus, your rent, <laughs> health insurance, a car, a job, a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a friend. <laughs> I mean, just whatever, whatever's down the list. I mean, I don't know. But whatever's down the list, he's like, I'm going to start you off with the best I got. Because if I start you off with the best I got, you never have to wonder if I'm going to give you anything else. If I, if, I, if I start you off with the best thing I could ever give you, then you got to know if you have any reasonable sense whatsoever, that you have to understand that everything else you want, why wouldn't I give it to you if I gave you the most important thing? And so these four principles is what we built this sermon series around, talking about uh, moving beyond the mechanics of faith. Well, if we're going to talk about embracing grace, we need to use these same four principles. And the reason we need to do that is because if we feel that we constantly have to do something in order to get God to do something on our behalf, we, we, we have to ask ourselves after this teaching, are we living by the works of the law or are we really living by faith? The Bible says the just shall live by And it says it like four different times. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Over and over again, it keeps showing up, telling us how the just is supposed to live. The just, the justified, is supposed to live how? By their, not their own self-effort. It doesn't say live by your own righteousness. It says live by faith. In the Old Testament, the law of Moses focused on works. It demanded that the people do something first in order to get God to bless them. And if you don't understand that you are living under a new covenant, you will try to equate the Old Testament, which is an old covenant, 
to the new covenant you've been given. Now, let me tell you why that's detrimental. Imagine that you had a lease agreement on your apartment. And in that lease agreement, it said to you that if you are late on your rent, you will owe them 10% of that rent each day until you pay it. That can get expensive very quick. But what if they gave you a new contract and they gave you a new covenant? And the new covenant said, man, you ain't got to pay no rent. Just live here as long as you like. I love you so much, I cover it for you. But what if you kept going to the landlord every month saying, I know it's the 31st. I know it's the 31st. I know I got to pay you rent. I know I got to pay you. I know it's going to be a late penalty. They will look at you like, what's wrong with you? Why? Because you're working under an old contract. We're talking about a new contract. Now, which one is better to live under? The old one where you got to pay 10% late every day till you pay or one that says, oh, you can just live here as long as you like? Y'all trying to be quiet, but y'all be jumping. Y'all tear this church up if somebody, if your mortgage company sent you a thing that said, never mind, bill just paid off. I'll be kicking chairs over. I have to ask y'all to calm down. No one lives under an old contract when a new contract is better. Take your neighbor, say neighbor. The new covenant is a new contract. Say it's much better. So we got to know what's in the new contract so we don't keep living by the old contract. That's good. And church keeps trying to get people to live by the old contract. Better come to church, you're going to die and go to hell. Better not watch it on TV, you're going to die and go to hell. Better not eat that poke, you're going to die and go to hell. Everything was die and go to hell because they wanted to fear you into doing the right thing. But the Bible says that love is what causes us to do the right thing. So if love causes me to do the right thing, I got to fall in love with the one who made everything available. Amen. This mindset that results, uh, the mindset that results from this actually encourages faith in our own works instead of the finished works of Jesus. This mindset that we have about how we got to do everything right or we're going to miss out on God. It actually encourages us to rely on our own self-effort. By contrast, living under the under grace that came from Jesus only requires belief. It only requires belief. You know how much easier it is to believe than to work? Because believing is a choice. To your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Believing, believing is, is a, choice. a choice. You've all seen this before. You've all seen this before. Somebody will say something, and because it doesn't equate with what you know about the person or the thing, you go, I don't believe that. They're like, no, sis, here's the picture. He was at his house, at her house. Mm-mm, that ain't him. But then the J's you bought him, mm-mm, that ain't him. But his necklace says Carlos. Mm-mm, that ain't him. That ain't him. Mm-mm, that ain't him. Why? Because believing is a choice. So believing is easy. All we have to do is decide we believe it. So we can just decide we believe that what Jesus has done for us is greater than I could ever do for myself. Amen. We could just choose to believe that. Amen? Amen. And in doing so, now that shifts us to this different position. In fact, this idea even extends to what we say. Now, I'll be the first person to tell you that our words carry great weight. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Our, words our words matter. Yes, what we declare would never be more powerful, though, than what Jesus has already done. 
So if your words aren't lining up with what Jesus did, then you are always going to live on the short end of the stick. So you have your words have to match in what Jesus has already done, because what Jesus has already done is the most powerful thing in the world. This means that we no longer have to live based on what we do. Now, I have to say this because when people hear me teach this, I, I don't know why they do it. But I even had someone who was listening to the broadcast uh, in Baltimore and they sent me a message and they said, so, Pastor, can you explain on part two of this series you're teaching when you say that we don't have to do the right thing and God will still bless us? Does that mean that you know what they're going to ask? Can I just do whatever I want to do? I said, yes. Y'all like, what do you mean? You've been doing it. You can do whatever you want to do, and you can still trace that God has blessed you. You're still breathing, aren't you? You still got food. You still got clothes. You still got a job. You still got your health. So even in spite of the fact that you're doing whatever you want to do, God has been blessing you. I said the question is not how much you can get away with. The question is how much do you love the one who set you free? Come on, Because if you love someone, the goal is not to see how much I can hurt you. That's, that's what we call a toxic relationship. Come on. Oh, we love hard. No, no, no. I don't want no struggle love. Don't give me that. Don't give me no love. You're going to make me got to be crying at night and staying up late and losing weight and all that other kind of, that ain't the kind of love I want. I want that, I, I want that fat love. And then I'll lose the weight, but I don't want, I don't want to be sick. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I can lose the weight. I don't want to be up at night crying and all that. I don't want no struggle love. So, so the goal, I have to say that, the goal is not to see how much you can get away with. The goal is to be set free and to be like, yo, even one mistake doesn't cancel me out. Because this person loves me so much, they made a way for me to escape my mistakes. Now, Let's look at something, because we talked about that under the law, God's blessings depend on our performance. That's why you don't want to be living under the law. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt. Now, now you see that? Now, now, when we read this, Deuteronomy is in what part of the Bible? Old Testament. Old Testament, is they are under what? The law. So under the law, there's these things that if you do them, then you get. It says that it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken. That word hearken means to hear and do. That's not clearing your throat. It's hearken, to hear and do. It says, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do. Not just to know what to do, but to know what to do and then actually do it. It says, I'll do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will then what? Set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. Next verse. It says, and all these blessings shall come on thee, and they shall overtake thee, what? If thou shalt hear and hearken, hear and do unto the voice of the Lord thy God. What happens is we take an Old Testament scripture under an old covenant and try to apply it to a new contract. And the problem with that is that they didn't have Jesus. They didn't have a redeemer. 
They didn't have somebody who could intercede for them. So they had to be perfect to get it. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. This under the law, you had to be perfect. All these things had to happen. And if you go to Deuteronomy 28, we won't do it right now, but start reading through about verse 15. It'll tell you all of the curses that come on you if you don't get it right. And the problem is we keep telling people in 2019 what's going to happen to them if they don't get it all right. But to do that, watch this, nullifies Jesus. Say la. Think about it for a second. Because what people say is, oh, pastor, uh-uh. you try and tell people they can do whatever they want to do. They've been doing whatever they wanted to do. I'm telling you that you need to retrain yourself and stop thinking that there's 600 things you have to do for God to bless you. Amen. The fact that you're here this morning alive in your right mind, it shows you that you don't have to be perfect. Because some of y'all missed it yesterday. Last night, early this morning. When you walked in here, when you walk out of here, some of y'all going to miss it at dinner. Some of y'all, they ain't going to have your food right. You want to wait two hours to eat. Come on here, Jesus. And if you ain't careful, you might lose it this afternoon. But that does not disqualify you. Amen. Understand this. The law was conditional. The condition was doing something first before God acted. Under the covenant of the law, everything that happens in our lives was based on what we do. And sadly, most churches in America still teach this. Heck, I taught this. I taught this. I taught this. I taught if you hearken, then God will do. But when you know better, you got to do different. And that's why I came back to teach this series, because that's just not true. It can't be true. And I'm going to show you in the new covenant where it says it is not true. It is out of this idea of do good, get good, do bad, get bad mentality that we have raised generations of Christians who are performance based. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. And so what people have done is stayed away from the church. Now, why do they stay away from the church? Because they don't want to be reminded of all the bad. I mean, do you really want to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and get dressed and come to church and hear a whole sermon about how much you suck? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, do you really? I mean, most people, you know, unless you're just, unless you're just a glutton for punishment, most people don't like, yeah, I'm good. But that's why Jesus says, hey, tell them about the gospel. The word gospel means good news. He said, tell them about the good news. The good news is even if they suck, I still love them. The good news is even if they blew it, I still got a way to get them everything they need because I knew they was going to blow it before they knew they were going to blow it. And so we got to get to this place where we understand that, hey, yes, I do good, but my doing good is not a result of me trying to get. I do good because I love the one who made me righteous. It's a love relationship. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 21 says this. It says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there, to my Jesus, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him. Watch this. He said, good master, what shall I do? What shall I what? 
do. When you see that, you know that's about performance. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The Bible says, and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. It says, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor thy father and thy mother. It says, and he answered and he said unto him, Master, all of these things have I observed, and I have done them from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing that you lack. He says, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have and give it to the poor. And then thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. If you keep reading, the Bible says that the young man went away sad because he had great possessions. He wanted to know what he had to do to get eternal life when he was literally talking to eternal life. We are spending our time talking to eternal life about what we must do to have the best life when he said, I gave you the best life before you even knew you needed one. He says, all you have to do is to believe, to believe that I am the one who came and died and set you free and believe that everything that I said for you, believe what I said. Now, there are some things that are true. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, when he was talking to Jeremiah, he was specifically talking to Jeremiah when he said to him, he said, I know the thoughts and plans that I think towards you. But God knows the thoughts and plans that he thinks towards you, too. And they are still thoughts to give you an expected end and a good outcome. Amen. Notice the rich young ruler was only focused on what he had to do. He was so focused on it that when Jesus was trying to tell him about all he had to do, all he could say was, I done done all those things. And some of us are the same way. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need that. God says, here's what you need to do. I done done all those things. I done prayed. I done fast. I done gave. I done done all those things. But that ain't what he's asking you to do. He's asking you really to give beyond that and to believe. And just like the rich young ruler, we too err when we trust what we can do more than what Jesus has already done. Let's look at Galatians 5 and 4. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you, watch this, are justified by the law. He says, when you get justified by the law, you are fallen from what? You are fallen from what? So there's only two places you can be under. Under the law or under? So if you have fallen from grace, you have to be under the law. And if you are under the law, then Christ becomes of no effect for you. So as long as you are in self-effort, Christ does you no good. That's a tough statement. It's a tough statement. But the Bible says Christ is become. Why did he become of no effect unto you? Because you have placed yourself under the law. And when you do that, you fall from the grace that's been given to you. So if you are not under grace, you have to be under law. And if you are under law, it's like you don't have Christ at all. So we come to church, we shout, we pray, we sing, we give, we laugh. But if we still believe that all of our self-effort means everything, then basically we've left Christ out of the equation. Under grace, God's blessings depend on our belief in what Jesus did for us, not what we do to get him to do something for us. In fact, I may even stop here, Ralph. I don't know. But I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 9. 
verse 12 through 14. And I, 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 I want to read this out of the message translation. I want you to see this. Just say, just make this declaration. Say, under grace, under grace everything, everything I need, I need has, already has already been prepackaged been pre and pre-delivered pre to my address. You know when you order something for Amazon, and if you got Prime, it'll tell you that it'll be there in two days? How many know you got it when you order it? You, no, no, when you push the button, you like, I, I already bought so-and-so. I got it. Now, there, there, there's this thing that we live in the earth called time, and, and, and time is the thing that, that trips a lot of Christians up. In the kingdom, there is no time. In the kingdom, it is Boom. It's, it's, it's believe, receive. You had it. In the earth, there's this thing called time. And we cool with time when it comes to everything else but God. How do I know? Because you let Amazon charge your credit card before you get your merchandise. What you say? You give them your money before you ever get it. Watch this. You order it. Watch this. You don't even know where you're ordering it from. You click the button based on the faith that what they show you on the screen is what's going to be delivered to you. Some of y'all got more faith in Amazon than you do in God. You click that button, you don't know whether it's coming from Arizona, whether it's coming from Baton Rouge. You don't know where it's coming from. All you know is that you believe that the system says... If I click the button, allow them to charge my credit card, in a couple of days, I'm going to get what I ordered. In fact, you are excited before you even see it. Some of y'all got the little app to show you what's coming in the mail. You can't do your job at work because you're looking to see what's coming. Because you believe in the system. I wish I had three folks who believe in the system that when God told you he was going to do something for you that you was as excited about it before it ever showed up just like you was on Amazon Hallelujah. Hebrews Hebrews 9 and 12 now watch this it says but when the Messiah arrived High priest of superior things of this new covenant. Now watch this. He says, but when the Messiah, that's Jesus, when he arrived, he was the high priest of the superior things in this new covenant. When he came, it says, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent. Let me, think, let me explain what that means. It says when Jesus came, he bypassed the old covenant. He went straight into the new covenant that was tied directly into heaven. He didn't spend time with the old covenant with the bulls and the doves and all the stuff they had to sacrifice. It says he literally came, he bypassed that old tent and all of his trappings. What was his trappings? That you had to be perfect? You had to keep the law? And if you miss one thing, you miss them all. It says Jesus bypassed those trappings and in this created world and he went straight into heaven's tent. 
the true holy place. And he went there how often? Once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood. Next verse. He said instead using his own blood as the price to set us free. Watch this. Once and for all. We ain't got to be dealing with no cow's blood no more. He said, forget all that blood from animals. He said, I'm going to use my own blood so that once we do this one time, it ain't never got to be done again. That's why on the cross he was able to say, it is finished. He says, if that animal's blood and all the other rituals of purification, if those things were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and our behavior, just think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Come on, we ain't done. It says through the spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all of those dead in efforts. All of that stuff we try to do to get God to respond, he said, Christ already came and freed you from that. He came and freed you from all of those dead in efforts. Why? To make ourselves respectable so that we can live, how? All out for God. So that we can live all out for God. Is that the last one in that verse? He says, so we can live all out for God. There's another translation that says that we can live out of the box. That we can live out of the box for God. Religion wants to keep us in a box. Religion wants to keep us bound. Religion wants to make us think that living for God is difficult. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God is not a hard taskmaster. I don't know if you can get this, Ralph, but in the, this same this Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, I, it may be verse 14. See if you can pull up in the King James Version. I want to show you what there's a word in the King James Version, um, I believe is in here, and I'll stop after this. This is a good stopping place, but I want you to see this. Um, that's it. Watch this. He says, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Watch what it says. Purge your conscience from what? From dead works. Now, the Bible talks about works and faith, right? The Bible talks about that without works, then our faith is what? Dead. But that's different than dead works. A dead work is when you do something trying to move God. A faithful work is when you move because God said move. When I went back and looked, this, and looked this up, the only place it appears is in the King James and in, I believe in the, in, the, uh, in the God's words translation. And it says dead works to serve the living God. It says literally what we're trying to do is take something dead and serve something living. You're, you're trying to take something that has no value and giving it to someone who is the most valuable person there is. 
He says the, the reason that there's a conflict with that is because this term dead works is it's, it's, it's our, it's, it's our effort to try to do something to deserve something that God has already given us. When you try to do something to get God to give you something that he's already made available to you, it's a dead work because no matter how good it is, it doesn't do anything. If, 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 I, if I give my wife money, well, let's say it like this because I have to be careful. She has access to everything I have right now. There's no, there's, there's no, there's no amount of money unless she, unless she didn't have a password or something to it, but, but she can get that too. There's nothing that I have that she doesn't have. So it would be foolish of her to try to do something to get me to give it to her. It's hers. Let me help you. When we got married, I never had an expectation for her to cook every night. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't my expectation. Um, and, and she was glad about that. Um, so, so we've never had an issue about her cooking. But it would be ridiculous for her to start trying to cook every night so she can get access to my bank account. It's a dead work. You can do it, and I might even would enjoy the food. But you already got the money. And so many of us are giving God dead works. Let me get up and pray. I won't get up and pray on this prayer line. Oh, Lord. You falling asleep on the prayer line. You should just stay in the bed. Pray at 10. Pray at 10. Pray when you get up. But, 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 but you're you getting up trying to do all of these things so that somehow you can get what God already made available. When you ought to be spending your time and your effort just receiving, right? Because here's what the Bible says in Mark 9, 23. And we'll stop here. Mark 9, 23. We'll, come, this, we'll pick this up next week. Mark 9, 23. It says, Jesus said, if thou canst believe, y'all know this, then all things are what? Possible to who? All things aren't just possible. They're possible to a specific kind of person. All things are possible to the believer. It is the reason, and people hate when I say this, that you can take someone who doesn't even believe in God. They don't have to be Christian. They don't have to believe in God. They can be agnostic. They can, they can be atheists. They can be whatever they want to. There is a power in belief. And they can believe a thing so strongly. And I know people don't like talking about the universe and energy and all that stuff, but God created all of it. I don't know why you're scared of it. You call it the universe, somebody call it the Holy Spirit. But the truth of the matter is, is the power behind that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you can, because God didn't create us. Okay, let me help you. So Amazon's system works the same for everybody, right? Whether you're black, you're white, male, female, whatever. If you click the button, they charge your credit card, they send you what you ordered. That's how the Amazon system works. God has a system, and in his system, it works for everybody, even if you don't believe in him. What's the system? To believe something. When I believe something, it draws me to it. 
There's this power source that draws me to what I'm believing. In fact, it's so powerful that it will cause me to do actions that line up with what I believe. Absolutely, yeah. That's why I don't get Christians sometimes. You say you believe Jesus, but your stuff don't line up. But then you look at somebody in the world who doesn't know Jesus and everything they do is lining up with what they say they believe. And you mad at them because they succeed. Don't be mad at them. Follow the instructions. The instructions is to believe God. Don't give God a dead word. Say to God. That's why I said last week. Say to God, what do you want me to do? If you hear God says, hey, I want to bless you. I want to I want to double your salary. Don't just spend your time running around in circles shouting. That's great. Okay, God, how would you like for me to do that? Because he may not want to do it with a job. So you assume that doubling your... When, when, and, I, and, I, and I was going to say something the other week when Pastor Sean said that. Now, what she said was, she said anybody who makes... She said anybody who's, who doesn't make... What, what did you say? Don't make 40? Believe, make 40 or something? Well, it wasn't even 40, was it? Six figures in six months. Six, okay, that part. But what I heard was, is if you already make six figures, God wants to double your salary. God wants to double your salary. I was like, cool. And instantly God said, don't think I got to do it with a job. Come on. And so literally this week I met a lady. And I'll tell you about it. I met a lady. And what she does is something I hadn't even thought about. Like, oh, oh, really even think. Have you ever driven down the interstate and, and, and seen billboards along the interstate? You probably don't pay no attention. You probably have no idea how many billboards you pass every single day just going from here to, to Benville. You probably have absolutely no idea. Do you know that people pay anywhere between $500 and $1,500 a month for those billboards? I talked to a lady. She owns seven of them. I said, now tell me how you got seven of them. Because I want to know. Because you mean to tell me I can be at home being petty while somebody's paying me to own a billboard? Listen, God has multitudes of ways to increase you, but you can't put him in a box. You have to ask, okay, God, how do you want to double my salary? How do you want to make me, how do you want me to make me a six-figure person? How do you want me to make a how do you want to make me a seven-figure person? Because it's a big difference in six figures, one zero zero, comma zero zero zero. And nine, 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 comma, nine, nine, nine. There's a, a whole different level of living in between there. So I'm saying, okay, God, how do you want to do this in my life? And he says, all you got to do is ask me. He's waiting on us to ask him. And then once we ask, don't give him a dead work. If God says, hey, I want you to talk to so-and-so, don't be like, oh, I'm going to fast this week. That ain't what he told you to do. And I see people do that all the time. God will give them an instruction, and because it's not what's, what's easy for them, because for some people, so for some people, fasting is easier than finding out the information you need. Because you'd rather fast and actually read something or talk to somebody to find out what God wants you to do. And so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta not do what's comfortable. You gotta do what is necessary. Amen. Stop and pray.